This morning's scripture reading will come from Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 23. Genesis 39, 20 through 23. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Jesus put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Please be seated. Well, I'm very happy to be with you today. I always am. What a wonderful privilege it is to be together and to worship God and sing these beautiful songs. Thank you for the wonderful singing today. Jonathan has led us in a wonderful way, and you participated in such a fine way. I'm very grateful. It's always encouraging to me to be with you in our singing, and thank you for the fine prayers today. And I appreciate them so much and many of the thoughts that you expressed come from your heart and also come from mine. I look forward to being with you tonight at 6 o'clock. I hope you'll be able to come be with us once again where we worship together. We'll be studying God's Word and in turn doing our very best to apply it to our lives and encouraging one another in this holy faith. Thank you for being with us. We have been studying a series of lessons on spiritual maturity and growing spiritually. I studied with you last Sunday about this important matter and I looked at the matter of what the word spiritual means and I spent quite a bit of time talking about that and as we studied from the scripture we learned that the word here means one learning what God wants them to do and then putting that into practice and thinking about spiritual things and thinking about heaven for example Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 is a very important passage that teaches that truth being spiritual is very important, and understanding what it means is equally important. Not taking for granted what the world says about it, but taking to heart what God teaches about it is what we really need to do to be spiritual. And someone comes along and says, you know, I want to be spiritual, and I always thought of myself as being a spiritual person and growing spiritually, but something happened along the way. Life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. I didn't plan on this, but it happened. Why, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Or I didn't have the kind of loving mother and loving father that other people have. Why didn't I get that? Life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. Here's a husband and wife. They're in such love with each other, and they're so kind and considered to each other and so faithful one toward the other, well, why can't I have that? Well, why can't my spouse and I have that kind of life together? It just didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. I didn't plan it this way. And children, well, they had the finest children I ever saw in my life. Faithful, dedicated son, dedicated daughter. Just didn't turn out that way for me. What happens when life doesn't turn out the way you planned? 
Well, you know, I work hard, but I don't have anything. Other people seem like they don't have to work at all and they have everything. Why is that? It just doesn't seem like life is fair to me. Newsflash. You're right. Life's not fair. How are you going to be spiritual when life doesn't turn out the way you planned it? And things happened. And attitudes grew. And doing things that really I didn't want to do because I faced circumstances. I got four points on this. I'm just going to give it to you on the front end. God will not leave you. I want to talk about that. Even though life didn't turn out the way you thought it should turn out, God's still with you. Joseph faced, even in adverse circumstances, opportunities. And I want to study with you this morning about how he served God and served other people, even in adverse circumstances. There's a spiritually minded person. Joseph trusted God regardless. When you study the life of Joseph, as we read just a moment ago, you see a man who really has hope and trust in God Almighty. And then I'm going to end it today with a fourth point. And that point's going to be, there's a better day coming. And even though there are circumstances of life and difficulties and problems of life, we can come to understand with hope in our hearts, love in our mind, God's coming one great day to take, his, take us to glory. And I look forward to that one great day. As you turn to Genesis chapter 39, Genesis chapter 40, you see the life of Joseph. Uh, here's a man whose life didn't turn out the way he planned it, but yet a very spiritually minded person. In this particular regard, he came from a dysfunctional family. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I don't do that. How many of you came from a dysfunctional family? If I asked that, how many could raise their hands? Well, my family wasn't the way it should have been. My coming up was a hard coming up. My mother was this, my father was that. I just didn't really have the benefits of that particular matter. Didn't have the benefits of a loving home. Here's a man that came from a dysfunctional family. You read about it. He had three stepmothers, ten stepbrothers, and they hated him. They hated him. The day he was born, his father showed him a great deal of favoritism and preferential treatment. Gave him a special coat. All the other boys had to wear, had, wear work clothes. Here's a boy wear, wears dress clothes every day. Coat of many colors, the way it's translated. It's more of a coat of long sleeves, but it's a dress coat. Fancy coat that his father gave him. Didn't give it to the other boys, and they resented that matter. Favoritism in the family, you see dysfunctional family had dreams in his dreams he dreamed that they would bow down and respect him and honor him his brothers hated him for that and his father even rebuked him for the matter of the dreams which he had at age 17 according to his father's order go to Dothan and find your brethren brothers and see what they're doing up there see about the flock and he goes to Dothan and he finds them but as they see him coming in a distance they say behold a dreamer cometh let's kill him Reuben talked him out of it. They took him instead and threw him in a cistern. 
a word which here means a hole in the ground to save water. Ishmaelite traders came along the way and they sold him into slavery. One day, he's the favorite son. The next day, he's a slave in Egypt. And you got to wonder what went through his mind. Life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. Didn't happen the way I thought it was going to. Didn't turn out the way I'd planned it. Finds himself in Potiphar's household and thus the object of a lewd woman's desire. She tempted him day after day, but yet he would not yield to such temptation. As he ran out of the place, she grabbed his coat. I suppose she was afraid word get out about that matter, and so she went to her husband and said, Look, what this Hebrew slave has done and what he's tried to do, here's his coat to prove it. Now he's thrown into prison. you got to think, I tried to be the best slave I could possibly be, and look what happened. Now I'm in prison. And it would cause a lot of people to think, how can a person continually focus on God when circumstances like that are in front of me? Life didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. And in this particular instance, he's in prison now. He's in charge of the prisoners. As you read a moment ago, thank you, Jerry, for reading that for us. Genesis 39, 20 through 23, God was still with him. God never left him. Even though the circumstances were bad, God was still there. I don't think it's the circumstances that matter. I think it's how we react to the circumstances that makes all the difference. Life just didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. I didn't plan for it this way, but it did. I can't help but think, if I may for a moment, think about the New Testament apostles. I don't think it turned out the way they thought it was to turn out. Jesus had told them four different times about his death, burial, and resurrection. And yet they didn't think about a trial, arrest, trial, and crucifixion. I don't think it was in their mind. This thing didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. When Jesus, Matthew chapter 21, came into the city of Jerusalem, the whole city turned out, and they threw their cloaks on the ground, and they took palm branches and laid before him, and he rode triumphantly upon a young donkey, and there in turn, behold, the Messiah has come. Praise God! And it's not long after that you have arrest, trial, and crucifixion. Now this thing didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. Why, we were there when he fed 5,000 people. That was amazing. We were there when he walked on the water. We were there when we heard the great sermons. Why, he gave a great sermon, sermon on the mount or the, the sermon about the bread of life. Well, we heard that wonderful sermon. And the crowds, oh, the crowds came from everywhere in Galilee listening to the teaching of the master, the rabbi of Galilee. And now look what happened. Life didn't turn out the way they thought it was going to turn out. I'm sure they just didn't understand how things were supposed to go. But it's not the circumstances. It's how we react to the circumstances that really makes all the difference. They continued to put their trust and confidence in God, just as Joseph put his trust and confidence in God. 
and would not allow the circumstances to deter spirituality. He continued to grow spiritually. And I believe Joseph in that prison, just as I know apostles of the first century, took adversity and difficulties and grew in character because of it. Spiritually, they grew. Somebody says, well, Jim, I'm not in a prison. But so many people are trapped. I'm not in a prison like Joseph was in a prison. But so many people have got circumstances that it feels like one to them. And it could be the most difficult thing of your life. Guilt has got you hemmed in. It may be the guilt of your own sins. The guilt of the things which you did. The guilt you suffer because of what you failed to do. The guilt that you face because of your failure to forgive yourself and to forgive others. Maybe it's the guilt of how you dealt with other people. It can feel like a prison to you. It's a terrible burden to carry around. But thanks be to God, we don't have to live under guilt all the time. We can receive forgiveness and forgiveness of the consequences of these sins by our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Joseph remained faithful even though the circumstances were against him. And it was character building because God would not leave him. And he grew spiritually. Genesis 39 and 20. So Joseph's master took him, put him in the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. God will not leave you, just as he did not leave Joseph. And Joseph took those adversities of life and the problems of life, and they were character building for him. In other words, he was growing spiritually, becoming more and more what God wanted him to become. Now this reference to Joseph comes up in one of the Psalms. It's a very interesting passage of Scripture found for us in Psalm 105. And I thought, well, I'll read just a little bit about Joseph from the standpoint of the Psalms. And particularly, verse 18 is what I have in mind. I'll start at verse 16. And he called for a famine upon the land. The psalmist is recounting the history of the children of Israel and what they went through. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. It tells us a little bit about what it was like to go into slavery as a slave. In ancient times in Egypt, and the Bible writer is saying God sent Joseph down there, and in turn he went as a slave. But yet God had not abandoned Joseph. He still was a part of God's divine will and the working and accomplishment of God's will. There is a Hebrew manuscript that I'd like to reference, and it's not the best, but it does come up. And some translations have used that in Psalm 105 and verse 18 when it talks about iron. The better translation is the one I read. 
uh, he himself was laid in irons. But there is a Hebrew manuscript that says that the iron entered into his soul. The idea conveyed in that manuscript is the idea that he grew in character. He grew spiritually, even though he faced adversity and difficulties of life. And life just didn't turn out the way he thought it should turn out. But yet, iron was in his heart. Iron was in his soul. Now, the better preferred translation is the one we read. That the iron was around him physically. But I cannot help but think, because of the great life of Joseph and the determination which he had, to live life acceptably before God. There had to be iron in his soul. There had to be the kind of spiritual determination to live the life that God wanted him to live regardless of the circumstances. Life didn't turn out the way he thought it ought to turn out. I often think of this passage in Romans chapter 8. In the verses, verse 28, verse 38 really uh, uh, is what I have in mind. I think of verse 28. Uh, many times, and, and I want to read it also. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I read Romans 8 and verse 28. It's a Bible passage you can read from your own Bible. And it's really conveying the fact that God, even though we have adverse circumstances in life, are working these things out for our good. And that's exactly what he did in the life of the apostles and in the life of Joseph. He was working those things out. But let's not forget verse 38. And I'd like to read for you 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think of Romans 8, 38 and 39, especially when I think about when the dungeon experiences come. And the dungeon experiences do come into our life and cause us to think, you know, who can withdraw from this? Who can be successful and work his way through that? Or who can grow spiritually even in a time such as this? But there's nothing that can separate me from God except one thing, and that is my sin. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Sin will separate us from God, and that's what I will choose to do or not to do. And it really is up with me as to what kind of person I will be, if I will be the kind of spiritually minded person I should be, or if I'm going to give in and let the circumstances control me. But I don't have to let the circumstances control me. I can grow with a heart of iron, even through adverse circumstances, because I know God will not leave me. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, there the Hebrew writer says of God, I will not leave you. Now the question is, it's not so hard to understand, but the question is, are we going to believe it or not? Are we going to believe that God is with us or not? through the difficulties of life and the problems of life, and even though it didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out, are we going to believe this or not? I say we believe it, that God will not leave us. The only thing that separates us from God is our own sin. Now, if you listen to the radio and the television today, you're going to get a good dose of the health and prosperity type of preaching. 
The preachers today are going to get up in their pulpits and on their radio programs and television programs and try to convince you that if you love God, then God's going to bless you. God's going to make a blessing come in your life, and you're going to make a lot of money simply because of the blessings of God. And He's going to pour it all out on you, and it's going to be wealth and health and prosperity. No matter what takes place, that's false. Because sometimes the dungeon experience comes upon us and the difficulties of life are there to such a point, to such a point we wonder, why am I going through this? Why do I have to face this? Why me? But yet those circumstances are not the important matter. It's how you react to those circumstances out of obedient faith. That'll make the difference altogether. I want to talk about the second point. Joseph faced opportunities. That's the best way to handle adverse circumstances in life. You start looking for opportunities to serve. Because when I begin to think about my problems, all the energy is focused on me. It's my problems, my difficulty, my heartache, my suffering. It's me, me, me. But if I can get the me out of the way and start thinking about other people, then it is surely a remedy for the difficulties that I will face when life doesn't turn out the way you ought to, the way you thought it was going to turn out. For that, let me read for a moment Genesis 40, verses 1 through 8. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer of the baker and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, was furious with his two officials the chief cup bearer and chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time, verse 4, service to others. Now Joseph could have grown bitter in his heart, and tried to take vengeance himself and exact vengeance in his own way. He could have filled his heart with self-pity. Woe is me because I face such difficulties of life. And I don't have the opportunities that I thought I should have. And here I am with all these particular matters. But he didn't do it that way. He didn't wallow in the self-pity. He devoted himself towards serving others. And even though the quality of his life was so low in this prison confinement. Still he found opportunity to be of service. And what is Joseph doing? Getting the attention off himself and now focusing it on others and their needs, which is a wonderful remedy for this matter of pity and the idea, woe is me because of the circumstances which I faced. It takes a spiritually minded person to do that. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Now you remember the rest of the story, verses 4, 5, on down through verse 8, how that Joseph interpreted the dreams, and by doing so, he in turn was able uh, to tell the cupbearer, you're going to be restored to your former position in three days. How that he also told the baker, he's going to lift your head off your shoulders within three days. And he tells the cupbearer, please remember me. When you go before Pharaoh and he restores you to your position, and you and I know both what happened, the cup bearer forgot. 
The cupbearer is a pretty important person for the king. He tastes the food and he drinks the, the beverages before the king does. He's sort of the canary in the mine kind of test person. He checks it out before the king actually imbibes. And in this particular instance, he was restored to his former position. But he forgot Joseph. Even though Joseph served and took care of him. And it was an opportunity for Joseph and an opportunity for the cupbearer. But Joseph trusted God regardless. Even though the cupbearer forgot Joseph, he still trusted God. In this particular instance, he trusted God in all the situation that he had. I'm in about verse 21 now. I'm in chapter 40, and I think it, it'll help me understand what's going on in the matter. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, Genesis 40:21, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted to him. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. You can't put your trust in people. They will disappoint you. You must put your trust in God, who will never disappoint you. People will disappoint you. They will forget. I read in a magazine one time, been several years ago, before the financial crash that happened some years back, Merrill Lynch had a... Uh, had a magazine uh, article there in the magazine and uh, uh, basically Merrill Lynch was saying if you invest your money with us you'll have no problems for the rest of your life <laughs> that's what they said and I thought at the time how could anybody say that I wonder if they're still using that kind of advertisement today I rather doubt it people will disappoint you even though you try to put your trust and your confidence in them you cannot be sure how they will act and how they will react to you when the chips are down. Chips were down from this particular man. Now see there, I tried to do this guy a favor. I interpreted his dreams. God is the one that gave me the ability to do it. And I interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer, and he went off and forgot me. Remember me when you're restored before Pharaoh, but he forgot him. People will disappoint you. People that you have confidence in will disappoint you. But a spiritually minded person knows God will never disappoint you. And you put your confidence and your trust in God. There's a better day coming. And I'd like to speak to that just for a brief moment. And again, I'm going to turn back to Romans chapter 8 and read that passage I read a moment ago, verse 28. And if you hadn't read Romans 8, I encourage you to go back and do that. And if you haven't read this particular passage, you ought to mark it and read it. I, I think a lot about Romans 8 and 28 because there's a better day coming. Some two years later, two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And the cupbearer says, I know this guy that can interpret dreams. And Joseph is brought forward. Would we even dare to think that 
That just happened by circumstance. Did that just happen accidentally? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Now once again I'm reading Romans 8 and 28 and you ought to mark it in your Bible. And you ought to read it with regularity that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now I think there are two ways to look at that passage and we shouldn't forget it. One, God through the ages has been working out the plan of salvation for our good and for our benefit. God individually working things out for our benefit as our loving Father providentially in our lives. And sometimes it's hard for me to see the good in this because life didn't turn out the way I thought it ought to turn out. It just didn't turn out the way I planned it. But God's working behind the scenes. Just like he was working behind the scenes in the life of Joseph. And he brought him up to that particular point in time. And so I'm not going to get hopeless. I'm not going to get depressed. In times of sickness, in times of loss, loss of job, one of the worst things that could happen to me is a flat tire on the way to my job, and I'm not going to get upset when a tire goes flat. Because I know God's behind the scenes working. A spiritually minded person who's growing spiritually sees that through the light of the Scripture. He sees that and understands that. That he's not here by himself. That even though life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out, and things didn't work out the way I had them planned, Still, there's a better day coming. A better day coming. Stories told, I read, a, I read the story somewhere. I read all these things, and I, I remember the stories, and I remember the facts, but I can't always remember where I read them. And I probably should write these things down, but I don't. I just rely on my memory to remember them as the need arises, and, and I can't remember where I read it. But it's supposed to be a true story where I read investment banker lost everything in the depression lost it all and um, because of his wealth it was gone lost his home his wife left him didn't have his children walking down the street wondering what in the world am I going to do now look at all these terrible circumstances that I've faced and what's going to happen he came across a stonemason he was cutting a particular stone and fitting it just right to dimensions and measurement he stopped and he watched a rather skillful craftsman and he asked him, he said what are you going to do with that he said well this stone has got to be fitted just right because it goes way up there and before it can go up there it's got to be fitted just right down here and he thought about that for a minute and he realized, God can do that with my life. He can fit me just right down here so that I can be put in place up there. 
and the spiritually minded. Those who love God and put their trust in Him and their confidence know that a better day is coming and that I'm being fitted just right, right now, so that I can be put in place up there. When life doesn't always turn out the way you thought it ought to turn out. A spiritually minded person still grows in devotion and dedication to God Almighty. Now before you can have the hope of that place I've been talking about, you've got to be obedient to the gospel of Christ and never let it be said that we miss an opportunity for you to come and hear the gospel of Jesus. And may we press upon your hearts the desire and realize the need to repent of sin and change your life for what is right. And the need to obey the gospel by confessing faith in Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Added to the body of Christ, Acts 2 and verse 47. A child of God. And now you're ordering your days, you're growing spiritually. And you're becoming stronger. And your focus is on heaven. Colossians 3 and 1. And in doing so, you're walking each day with the teaching of Christ in your heart and in your mind. You have the wonderful avenue and benefit of prayer. Asking God for His help and for His direction through the Scripture. Now's the time for you to become a child of God and start your walk of life. Be fitted here so that you can be put in place up there. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.